when you step away from your agenda and notice that there are moments that can make somebody's life better. That's all I try to teach my kids. When you wake up in the morning, how am I going to make somebody else's life better today? And there's a team much bigger than this. There's a, there's a team that is trying to make somebody's day better. That's all of us. Hello, everybody. This week on the Sportlight Podcast, we discuss an inspiring video by Ernie Johnson and make it into a back-to-school message to share with our athletes. We hope you enjoy it. Welcome to the Sportlight Podcast for parents, coaches, and athletes. The Sportlight refers to the time in an athlete's life when they have increased ability to affect the culture around them and the increased opportunity to learn life's lessons through sports. This podcast aims to help parents and coaches capitalize on their athletes' precious time in the Sportlight. The Sportlight Podcast is brought to you by Especially for Athletes program. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sportlight Podcast. I'm here with Dustin. How you doing, Dustin? Doing well. You? I'm doing awesome. Doing awesome. This is an exciting time of year. Everybody's getting ready to go back to school. Hopefully, this will be a little bit more normal of a school year. You could kind of feel the energy of the the youth as they're getting ready to go back and are super excited to have things go back a little bit to normal, hopefully. And uh, but we have, as we talked about what to do with this week's podcast. We wanted to give a back-to-school message, both to parents, to coaches, and to the athletes as they're getting ready to, to head back to school. And, and uh, we have some, some invitations for you to have some discussions to prepare these wonderful athletes, these incredible, powerful youth to go to their schools and make a difference this school year for good. And so, Dustin, I want to hand it over to you and, and have you share some of the things that, that we've talked about in preparation for this yeah. podcast. So just yesterday, I got a, uh, a message sent to me from a, a dad of an athlete who's been been a member of Especially for Athletes since he was probably he's 10, 11 years old. He's graduating this year, but his dad sent me a message on social media that's probably circulating. And, and maybe some of you will have, have already listened to this or will have heard this this piece before we sort of break it down, but it was um, about a five minute speech that a guy named Ernie Johnson, who, if you, if you follow NBA basketball, you know, that name, uh, Ernie Johnson is the, the, the lead host of a show called inside the NBA on TNT. And they've won multiple Emmys. They're really, really established themselves as one of the greatest sort of sports, you know, talk show type uh, programs ever. Um, Shaquille O'Neal, Charles Barkley, uh, uh, Kenny Smith, Kenny Smith, and Ernie Johnson. Yeah. And they do yeah. that at the, on, on Thursday nights and other nights during the basketball season. Hilarious. They're, they're super funny and they do a great job of breaking down basketball, but Ernie Johnson in particular, he's been in the sports world for a long time. Uh, he's been working and is a broadcaster and is an analyst for, I think 30 years. And he tell he goes and he speaks to the Alabama football team, and he has a really unique personal life that not a lot of people know about. In particular, and he explains it in this 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 discussion he has with Alabama, a a son that he adopted. And so I when I when I watched it, I was touched by it, and I thought, you know, this would actually be a perfect couple minute little 
piece to share with those of you that listen to us here. And then, Shad, I was interested in getting your thoughts on it and maybe uh, discussing it a little bit with with the audience. So this was an idea that I had. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will um, if you listen to what Ernie says and think about it and then have these discussions with your with your athletes and with your sons and daughters. It's something that we should all benefit from from learning from. Awesome. Awesome. Should we give it a start? Let's do it. When Nick Saban asks if you would come and speak to his football team, yes or no, not the answers. What time is the answer? And what I've had at Turner, I've been there for 32 years now. What I've got is a get-to job, not a got-to job. I get to do that. When you look across a room and you lock eyes with a teammate and you're wearing the same colors that you get to, that's not a got-to. See, the reason our show is successful is because nobody tries to make it about themselves. Chuck's never tried to do that. Shaq's never tried to do that. Neither has Kenny. And God knows I'm not trying to. Nobody cares what I think about a basketball game. I'm just trying to get us from point A to point B to point C, and I'm trying to make these guys shine. It's about knowing your role. So what is your role? There's value in everybody. Everybody on our team at Turner, value in every position. When I think about value, I think about this kid right here. See, I'd come home from work one day and she said, you know what we need to do? She says, no, we need to go to Romania and adopt a kid. I said, no, hold on, I mean, we, we've got two children. We, you know, we're the script, we're following the script. Don't be afraid to go unscripted, folks. Cheryl had seen a, a story on ABC News about these Romanian orphans being warehoused. Those with special needs were just forgotten. Let's give a kid a second chance. So we went unscripted. The nurse who handed this boy to her, you know what, you know what she said? She said, don't take this boy, he's no good. Can you imagine? And I said, bring him home. He gets diagnosed with muscular dystrophy, which a lot of kids don't make it out of their teens when you got that, because your muscles don't grow, they waste away. So I'm going to stop it there for a quick second before he goes into to discuss what the coach did, right, on yeah. the basketball team. Yeah. So his wife comes to him and says, I've seen this video. There are some Romanian <laughs> uh, kids that are warehoused. They're handicapped and have some other disabilities and things, and they've been forgotten. And she tells him we need to go and adopt one. And he said something there that I thought was interesting. He's, he, he said, we're following the script. And then he says, don't be afraid to go unscripted. And that, that got me thinking about the script of some of our, our teenage athletes um, and what they're sort of used to seeing is the script, the norm, the what you're supposed to do, how you're supposed to look, how you're supposed to walk in the hallways, how you're supposed to be around people and who you're supposed to hang out with and how you're supposed to be on social media. They're learning that from everybody and they're following the script, many of them. Part of especially for athletes, maybe not part of it, the, the mission of especially for <laughs> athletes is we're trying to ask athletes to get go unscripted, right? To go away from the script and to be different. And that takes courage. You know, what Ernie did next is he didn't say that he went back and forth in discussion with his wife. It sounded like he just realized this is the right thing to do. I need to do the work. We need to go and we need to do it. And Shad, I wanted to get your thoughts a little bit on this idea of, of going unscripted and how do we get our, our 
you know, our, us as adults too, I, I find myself always saying our, our youth, but us as adults as well, how do we think outside the box a little bit when it comes to this and be willing to go unscripted a little bit, be different? Yeah. You know, it, it begs the question, what is the script? What do our athletes feel like they have to fit into? You, yeah. you know what I mean? Like they go to school. So what is a typical football player or a typical cheerleader or a typical uh, girls basketball player? And it's probably different at every school. There's cultures within teams. and mm-hmm. but, but I do feel like sometimes there's almost like they're, they're playing the part of a football player. It, it may even be contrary to like who they are. You know, yeah. they just think this is how they're supposed to act. And some of those scripts that I've seen is sometimes like one of the ways to establish importance in yourself, even though I don't think it does, is to try to establish that you're on a plane above other people. And that creates exclusiveness, not inclusiveness. You know, the part of the script is football players hang out with football players. Football players hang out with with cheerleaders. Um, Cheerleaders hang out with each other. And and it creates these divisions, even within a school, that sometimes the script is written in such a way that people feel like they're always in these separate groups trying to establish who's really important. Yeah. And the message is they're all important. That goes back to that first part about the role on TNT. Yeah. If we had just realized every single person has a role and that role is as significant as our own, Mm -hmm. then we get off these scripts that have been written for us. Here's who I have to hang out with. Here's how I have to act. And we can, it then opens our eyes to recognize the goodness and the importance and the value of everybody else. Well, and I, I'd even argue that to a degree that, that, you know, tribalism or that these cliques that get formed um, and kids get learned at a young age that they need to find their clique or find their tribe. And then they have to adapt themselves to that in order to be cool, right. To fit right. in. Yeah. And they have to follow the script that those kids do. And, and in the, in the, you know, in athletics athletes, they watch what athletes look like and dress and act and speak. And sometimes, unfortunately, that's not always good. Um, we talk to the young men all the time about what, what social media and what just media in general tells them that a man should be. And I, and you've heard me give this message a million times, but it doesn't take long. You go ask a 15 year old kid, what a man is and and you know from what they see on social media and on movies and things like that it's it's man if you're a dude if you're a man you're you're big you're strong you're powerful you have lots of money you drive fancy cars you have a bunch of girls it's about power and sex and dominance right that's what a man is mm-hmm. and that's and and if you're a man you have all those things and, and then you turn around and ask the same kid, who are the men in his life that he most looks up to and that he most wants to be? And he mentions his grandpa. And it's not for none of those other reasons. It's because of how his grandpa treats his grandma and how his grandpa treats him and how hard his grandpa works and how forgiving and loving and caring he is. And that a man is, 
is, is not all those things. Um, yeah, you need to be tough and gritty and resilient and all those things, but you can be caring and you can love other people and be compassionate and all these things. And that sometimes that goes off the script though, of being an athlete, how can I be those things and still be on the edge as an athlete, be competitive and be gritty out there on the court. Like that's weakness. If I show those things. And that's what we teach a lot of our young people that, that compassion and empathy and kindness is as some sort of a weakness when it's not, but that it's, it's, we got to get our kids to get off script. Cause what happens is we're taking that into the real world and we have a world right now that is no different than high school. <laughs> it's, it's the same tribal. tribal, right? It's the same clicks. It's the same, everybody trying to be, follow the role of, you know, what they're supposed to be when they're thirties and what they're supposed to be in their forties and how they're supposed to look and act and drive. And, and we just have all this, this acting going on and yeah. man, it would be nice if we could really encourage these, these junior high and high school age kids and us as adults to be better at, you know, getting off script, right. Yeah. And, and just being who we are. Yeah. You know, you say athletes are strong. Athletes are, I mean, man, they could be aggressive. They could be uh, just bright and influential. And, and one of the things that I hear you saying is that strength is awesome when it's used to protect, Absolutely. you know, when it's used to lift. Um, I, I had an experience, I've shared it with you before, Dustin, but it came to mind where I, I came upon a car accident mm -hmm. and I, I saw this lady, she was driving and she was on her phone. And I thought my depth perception was off because I was like, yeah, she's not going to, you know, I thought she was going to go around a car and she just hit this car from behind. And I saw the lady in the little car in front just bounce all around and she was obviously injured. Um, and then this lady in back that hit her was, was injured as well. And so I kind of got out of my car and ran up to the scene and one of uh, an athlete actually that we, we used to, uh, that we've, we've traded does some things with was a police officer in the town. And, and I asked him, I said, Hey, uh, what do you want me to do? And he said, I need to help this lady. He was off duty. Uh, but he said, can you go check on the car behind? So I run back to the car and this lady had a really bad broken arm and she had this little beautiful blonde girl in the back. And, and she, the little girl obviously was hysterical and, and so I was talking to this little, little girl, trying to comfort this little girl. And she kept saying to me, my daddy's going to be so mad at my mommy. My daddy's going to be so mad at my mommy. And so I said, it's okay. You're, you know, your dad will just be happy that you're okay. And no, he's going to be so mad at my mommy. And, and uh, anyway, to make a long story short, the dad shows up on the scene and he's doing everything that like some lame TV show would do to try to make a man look manly. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like blaring music, popping out of the car, walking all tough up. And he looks at me and I'm holding his daughter to comfort his daughter. And he, he says, give me my effing daughter. And I'm sitting there holding this little girl, you know, wow. you put yourself in that situation. I, but what I did, I kind of pulled away from him a little bit. And I said, dude, look around. There's blood, there's broken bones, there's sirens. Do you want to know what she's been most afraid of? You showing up. Like, and, and that experience just taught me a true, a true man, a true woman, like who has strength, who has these things that sometimes our athletes are, are given because their position as athletes and, and their ability to play sports. When they show up on that scene, that girl shouldn't win. 
I forgot this part, but when the dad showed up, she said, oh, no, my daddy's here. That's sad. And I, I thought, you know, what should she be saying? Oh, daddy's here. Like, things yeah. are going to get better. And it's like a true, someone with strength, someone who's willing to get off the script of what the world is telling us, what we should be, who we should hate, you know, get off of that and use your strengths that when you show up on the scene, whether it's a dramatic scene or just like a lunch table, yeah. that when someone sees you come and they're thinking, oh, sweet, yeah. that person's here. Not, that, that's not, a, oh no, here comes yeah. the cheerleader. Yeah. Here comes the basketball player. Or here comes the football team. Yeah. But but it's they see you coming and they think things are about to get better because, because yeah. that person's coming or that team is coming. Well, and to Ernie's point earlier when he said, when you lock eyes with a teammate and you know that they'll do anything for you, but that you understand your role and that everybody has a role as parents and as coaches we have a responsibility to make sure that our, that these kids understand that when we say role, we don't mean you're the rebounder or you're the defender or you're the offensive lineman or you're the, uh, you know, the, whatever the position is on the team. That's not, that's yeah, sure. That's your role. You have a role within your team, but because of the sport light, they have a different role that we have to give as least as much emphasis to, I would hope we give it a lot more emphasis to teaching that their real role, if they understand what we're trying to push, and, and maybe it's a pipe dream to think that, that that the athletes will really embrace this idea of their real role is to use that sport light in a way that makes scenes like this, you know, that this example is a lunch table or a classroom or a, 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 someone lonely in school. First day of school, there's going to be a ton of kids showing up to a school for the first time, yeah. whether they're new to that grade or new yeah. from another town. Or maybe they just had a rough summer. Maybe their home life is tough. School yeah. for some kids is, is a, is a blessing to get away from the nightmare that they experience at home mm -hmm. and um, to come to school and be away from some mm -hmm. of the, you know, the garbage they have to deal with it at, at, at home to come to school and get away from that. We I hope they don't walk into another set of a whole, whole new set of problems, right? That they can see some athletes in the school, whether you're athletes or not. We just specifically ask, especially the athletes, because of the sport night, to understand that part of their role is to be more than just a football player, or a baseball player, or a soccer player. That because of the sport light, people are going to know who they are. And so we say this all the time, right? To use your sport light in a way that uplifts and helps and motivates and, and provides comfort to other people. And to understand that with that sport light comes responsibility. There's a role involved. And get off the script of being cool guy. Because there's a quote that you we've shared before in, in uh, presentations we do that eventually cool guys get their butts kicked. It's just a matter of time. You're only cool for so long and that comes around. Right. And so, yeah. you know, I, I, and, and Ernie is going to, you know, continue to tell the story now of a coach and a team that embraced his son and what his son and the coach coming together from two completely opposite parts of the world, but because of sports and because of his wife and having the empathetic, compassionate heart that she had eyes were up. Right. She yeah. saw something. Yeah. Her eyes were up. So for those of you that wonder when we say eyes up, do the work. Here's an example of it. Her eyes were up. She was seeing something. She was watching something good. Trying to learn about another country, another group of people that 
and she, she felt touched. And instead of just feeling touched and saying, wow, I hope those kids can find some happiness, right? She felt motivated to do something. And then she did the work. She went through the process to, to adopt one of these boys. Ernie Johnson went through the, through the, you know, the, maybe the, the change in lifestyle to raise this young man who he goes, I mean, the rest of the story, if you learn about Ernie Johnson, when he leaves work, his whole day is dedicated to helping this, this son. It's been raising this boy who can't do much on his own. Then he goes to work and he just, he loves his son who he adopted from Romania, right? But because of sports and because of some people willing to keep their eyes up and do the work, an entire community gets changed. And Ernie's going to go on to talk about that. He's going to mention things like there's value in everybody and stepping away from your agenda and and having a heart for others. You're going to hear these phrases that he says. And I, I think, again, as you're listening to this, think about how we can be better and how we can share this message with our children and those athletes that we coach. And then hopefully in the process, make going back to school easier for people. Yeah. The coach with less hair than me, a guy named Phil Bolier. Michael at this point is in high school. See this coach knows what I know. He knows there's value in everybody. He said, I want him to be my five foot tall impact player with no vertical leap. He said, because I see value in him. Because the day I met him, I followed him into his classroom I had a conversation with him, and Michael doesn't communicate well, and he has a kind of a rain man kind of memory. So if he meets you, you tell him what you drive, he'll never forget it. So he has this great memory, but he also has this three words he loves to say, and you don't have to say it to him first, he just says, love you too. This is from a kid who didn't speak until he was eight. So Phil Bolier asked if he could be on his basketball team so he could teach his team two things, maximum effort, for Michael to move any muscle in his body takes everything he's got. And he said, I want him to teach my team having a heart for others. And that heart for others runs deep. Where you can lock eyes with the teammates and say, I'd do anything for you. I would do anything for you. He teaches all of his students how to say I love you in sign language. He says, and, and, and look, if you, if you tip your index finger at the other person, it means love you too. So that on senior night, Michael goes out last, my wife and I follow his wheelchair out there. Like the other players, people are standing and applauding. But unlike the other players, I look up in the student section and they're standing like this. Because this kid, this Romanian orphan, and this coach from Indiana somehow got together in a gym in Brazelton, Georgia, and taught this huge school about love. Remember, don't take this boy, he's no good. Right. Value in everybody. When you step away from your agenda and notice that there are moments that can make somebody's life better. That's all I try to teach me and I mean teach my kids. When you wake up in the morning, How am I going to make somebody else's life better today? And there's a team much bigger than this. There's a a team that is trying to make somebody's day better. That's all of us. I was just going to wear this shirt today, and I thought it'd be a little informal just to to show up in a t-shirt. But this is what's underneath. 
Be a better human. How are you going to do it? How are you going to do it? Love you too. There's a team much bigger than this. There's a team trying to make other people's lives better, um, especially for athletes is trying to be that, right? We're trying to be part of that team that Ernie's talking about. We've, we're trying to create a culture of, of, uh, of athletes and, and community that understands that we need to step away from our agenda, that there's value in everybody and, and be willing to do the work. Yeah. You know, I, we've talked about some specific things over the years that I think are, would have such a big impact. One of which I, I've seen you doing as a head high school football coach, the value in everybody, um, this tribalism that exists right now, where it's almost like every group is trying to establish dominance, trying to win some imaginary game that's going on. It's like, there doesn't have to be losers in life in sports. That's part of it, but in life, and there doesn't have to be losers. We can lift everybody. And, you know, we've talked about training some athletes. What do you do when you're handed the microphone at a homecoming, you know, football assembly game or something? Yeah. Assembly game, the, the pep rally. And, you know, what do you do with that? Because what often happens is, Hey guys, you know, come out tonight. Yeah. We're going to destroy the other team. We're going to, yeah. you know, and just, just flip that, go off that script that what if it was, we would really appreciate it. We love hearing the student section. We have the best student section around and it, man, it pumps us up so much to hear you guys yell and scream. We appreciate you taking your time to do that. We love our band. Let's give our band a hand. But the atmosphere you created a football game is so incredible. And thanks for all the practice you put in and all those hours that you put in to create that pageantry atmosphere. And to our cheerleaders, man, give our cheerleaders a hand. You know, our drill team, the things that you perform, waking up five o'clock every single day to come out and learn these dances you perform at halftime. It all goes in. The, the parents, our, our coaches, our, we're just so appreciative. Like, how would a, a student body feel to have a football team that felt like that about them? Yeah. And I know you've been doing some simple things to teach your players that. Tell us about well, that. <clears throat> the high school that I coach at, I, first of all, it wasn't my idea. Um, I embraced what they what what we did i tried to make it a little bit more inclusive as all but the football team at spanish fork high school they do a thank you breakfast in the summer where they invite the band and the cheerleaders and the drill team and everybody that's involved in making that friday night and we we talked to the boys before the breakfast that this is not about them that this is about us providing a meal for those who create the energy for their football game and um, and, and remind them about how hard it is or how uh, lonely it, it can be out there playing a football game without those people. And some of them, you know, most of America experienced that last year. And we, we really saw the truth of what that looks like when you don't have fans and crowd and people in a game. It's a totally different, different atmosphere. So I think the boys were aware of what that feels like and extra, you know, thankful this year that hopefully they can have that all season. But 
you know, so there was a breakfast made and, and the band showed up first. And all I did was encourage our boys to go and talk to the kids in the band to get to know them. So we went around and asked every kid what, what instrument they play. Um, and they work hard, these kids. And I was learning stuff about some, I, some of the instruments they played, I'd never heard of. <laughs> it kind of shows my, my, uh, uh, education when it comes to that, but that's and, okay. They wouldn't know some of the football. Some of the football all right. Know, fair yeah. enough. But yeah. we, it was great to learn. And then I watched some of the boys start interacting with some of these kids on the band who they've gone to school with, but they've never really had more than a, you know, a, mm-hmm. a couple second conversation. Next thing I know, there were some band uh, members of the band and some members of the football team that were over in the corner and they were playing chess together and the crowd got, and it kind of got big and we had this big chess match going on and they were cheering each other on. They were picking and and you had kids on both sides cheering for each other. And we were going around. It was just awesome to watch kids just interact with each other to get off script. Right. And to just realize that. Yeah. The football team's not supposed to. Yeah, but with a band, haven't yeah. you seen a Disney show? Exactly, you know, it's, they it's not that. To be having fun together. Yeah, that's not what it is. <laughs> this isn't Hollywood where the bands, you know, we're sticking the band kids in the lockers. If you're a football player, it's not. I hope it's not that way at schools. Most schools not. Most of our athletes don't do that. But it was just cool to watch them interact. And then when the cheerleaders came and everybody, it was just they, they, they these kids saw the value in each other, and they which is what Ernie just got done talking about. And they understood that there's great value in everybody. And for, for a minute there, it was just awesome. You know, I, I kind of stepped back and, and stood back and watched it. And I just thought, this is what it could be. This is what it should be. This is what at its core it's supposed to be. And, and there were parents there and different coaches from the different sports talking. And it was just the way, you know, that, that it's supposed to be. And, and I've seen this sort of thing that you just talked about uh, done in person. We have an athlete that uh, we'll probably do a story on at some point, an episode on some point, but locally people probably remember the story of Jason Money, who uh, we've, we've got a video of actually his story on our website, but uh, I won't go into the, the whole story, but Jason had an interaction or an experience in a football game that went viral, a mistake that he made at the end of a game. Um, a kid that's as good athlete and good a kid as there is. He's currently playing college football. And a mistake he made went viral. It was seen by millions of people online. And he had all sorts of positive messages sent to him, but a lot of hate messages from losers out there, to be, to be honest with you. I mean, people telling him the meanest things that you yeah. could say to a kid yeah. because of a mistake he made in a football game. I mean, just unbelievably cruel things they were saying to him. But I watched a, a, a guy, he's current, he was a basketball coach at the time at Wasatch High School. He's now an athletic director at Jordan High School up in Sandy, uh, Utah. And his name's Jason Long. He's been a longtime uh, uh, supporter of especially for athletes. He he asked if, if when I spoke to his high school, if I'd bring Jason with me. Now, these guys were in the same region at the time. They were sort of rival schools, Wasatch and, and the school that uh, uh, Jason went to. And Jason went up and he spoke to this team. And he was still a senior at the time. He hadn't graduated yet. And he spoke about his... You know, and he'd still get emotional talking about it. It was still, you know, raw to him. And and uh, they gave him a standing ovation. All the kids there, the athletes, the basketball team came and gave him a jersey and, and really took care of him. But later on, I found out that there were teams that were chanting things to Jason in basketball games when he'd go to the foul line. They were chanting things specific to the mistake that he made in the football game. Mean things. Jason Long, the coach at the time, 
told his team to make sure the crowd knew that if anything was said to Jason during that game, that he would stop the game. And he he went as far as to say they just forfeited, that it was not going to happen. So because the athletes took the initiative to make sure that the fans knew that we're not going to treat him that way, we're going to cheer for our own team. We're going to support our own team, of course, but we're, and, and, and we're not going to say these comments to Jason. Um, they didn't, and they were able to have a, a game the way it was supposed to be played, compete without contempt, one of our yeah. principles. Yeah. But that took a coach and some players at his team because they had been taught properly by the coach, and then they took the action at the school to address something to the band and to the cheerleaders and to everybody that everybody had a little bit of empathy and respect for Jason and for what he had gone through. And they were able to play a game without any of that. And that's the way it should be done, but it takes our athletes stepping away from the maybe traditional script or role, seeing value in everybody, whether it's someone in the band or someone on an opposing team, and then doing the work to make sure that people know, Hey, there's a better way and we can all be better and and treat people better. You know, I think what you're saying right now about being intentional for the coaches who are listening, coaches impact the culture of their team more than any other person, I think, on their team sometimes. that They create an expectation and they say, this is the way we're going to be. And I think that's something important to think about when it comes to this culture of inclusiveness and appreciation and appropriateness. Yeah. If you have a coach, so you and I have been around all, I mean, hundreds of high schools. And every now and then as you're speaking, you sense that there's a coach that doesn't like what you're saying. We've had this conversation before. That it's well, they, they just feel like it's not necessary, right? Yeah. That, that, yeah uh, I've got it. I've got it. I don't need your, I don't need somebody else to talk to my kids. Yeah. Or what they're saying right now stings because I know the way I act. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not what you are asking. Uh, yeah. People to be right now. That, and, and man, coaches who do what coach long did, and make it a priority to use sports to teach these lessons. They make a huge difference in kids' lives. And kids will respect them forever. As you grow up, you start to look back and you start to realize who those coaches were in your, in your own life. Like who were, in our case, you know, the real men in our life. Yeah. Um, I I've had many coaches throughout my life and my heart is still fond towards those who taught me to be a man, not just to hit a ball or to shoot a ball. Um, and so I think that that being intentional about these lessons, what can a coach do as they start a season, as they start a school year, what are some things a coach can do to, to teach their players the value of every person. And I bet the answer is different for every coach. And the ideas that will come will be amazing. But some of the simple things that challenge your players to get to know the the six kids who sit around them, you know, the five, six, whatever it is in their class, just, it's just simple. It's, Hey man, how are you? How was your summer? What are you up to? What are you doing this school year? What do you like to do? You know, just those simple questions every day, just the six people around you, just 
just do that and you could make a difference. Well, and, and, and to the parents, yeah, I think it's important. I can speak from being a coach and having coached a lot uh, for a lot of years and knowing a lot of coaches that everything you just said is, is absolutely true. And I hope that I think most coaches try some do better than others at, at teaching that. But I, I, I want to make sure that as parents, you understand that you undermine everything that the coach tries to do. If you then turn around and under and, and bad mouth, you know, the coach to your, you know, to your child and to understand that while coaches hopefully are doing this and trying to do all these things we're talking about, it's, it's not fair to expect them to make your son a man or to make, you know, your daughter an, an elite young woman, that that's the job of the parent, right? The coach's job is really to teach that kid how to put a ball in a net mm-hmm. and to teach them how to compete and teach it. They do all these other things because they want to and because they care. And, and, and of course, they're not supposed to teach, you know, the kids to be negative or to be bad or to be dirty, but, but these, these coaches are juggling a lot. And when, so when they try to teach something culturally uplifting, like what you're talking about, and they, they talk to the kids and they, they try their hardest, there are going to be kids on every team that no matter how hard a coach tries, that are going to go off script and do their own thing and, and really give a black eye to that coach who's trying hard. And everybody, in some cases, unfortunately, people say, yeah, it's the coach, right? It's the coach's fault that that kid uses bad language, you know, or that that kid cheats. It's the coach didn't teach that kid to cheat in his, on his math desk or some seminar. Yeah. Or to (laughs) use bad language in the hallways. He was learned. He learned that growing up. He probably learned that at home and coach gets all these kids from all these backgrounds and demographics and they try to mold them. And in the process, teach them how to play a game and then also try to teach them to be good people and to encourage them to be good people. But the responsibility falls on the parent. Yeah. And we hope the coaches help us do that. I hope that every coach that works with my daughters or with my sons helps them be better. But it's my job as a parent to make sure that I'm having these discussions. And then it's my job as a parent, as hard as it might be sometimes to understand that the coach is going to try and he's going to do things that maybe you don't agree with sometimes. Maybe he doesn't play your son or daughter as much. But as soon as you start throwing that coach under the bus in front of your son or daughter, your son or daughter may really respect that coach or may be starting to really love that coach and appreciate the mentorship from that coach. And when you get in the car and then throw that coach under the bus and say, your coach doesn't know what he's doing. Your coach is an idiot. You lost that game because of your coach. Your, mm-hmm. just your coach's faults. the reason why your culture isn't what it would be. You, you, you cut the legs out from underneath that coach and make it very difficult for him to do these things that I think coaches are trying to do and, and more of them are trying to do it, but it, just so the parents understand, it's hard being a coach. It's a lot harder than you think. There's a lot more that goes into it than just X's and O's and, and who to play. And there's so many other things they're dealing with that you have no idea that they get in, in the lives of kids they get involved with, that you have no idea some of the things they're dealing with. And so, and they have their own life and their own kids and their own things going on too. So it's a team effort. It comes from the captains. It comes from the administrators. It comes from the parents. It comes from the coaches. All of us have to band together in this idea of keeping our eyes up, looking out for other people, being willing to go off script a little bit and do the work to make these cultures better. And if we do that, I think we can make these school years. Listen, you know this, Shad, from being in education as, in a, as a career and from speaking all over the country and being a parent, 
parents, I'm telling you, there are kids that are going to be going back to school here soon who are going to be scared to death to walk into a classroom. And they're going to be scared to death that they're going to say something awkward and be made fun of, or that they're going to do something in the hallway, or they're going to dress wrong, or that someone's going to take a picture of something they do and post it. And they're scared and they're, they're, they're anxious. And there's going to be an athlete walking down the hallway that I'm just praying us as parents and as coaches will have had that discussion with that young man or young woman that will look over to that kid and say hello or talk to them or invite them somewhere to sit by him in class and to ask him about them and compliment them. And if, if, if that would happen, some of these kids who are terrified to come to school might become less terrified, may actually start to enjoy it a little bit. But if not, there are some incredibly sad stories of what happens at our junior highs and high schools. And the worst of the worst happens when sometimes kids go as far as to turn to drugs and alcohol or to drop out of school or to even take their own life. And to the degree that we can do something to prevent that, I believe we have a responsibility as parents and as coaches and as members of the community to do all we can to stop it. Cause we know from personal experience receiving email after email after email from parents and from kids who have been in that exact scenario I just described where they're suffering, that if we don't do something about it, this exact same discussion will just get, will be had in 30 years from now and the problem will only be worse. And that's our mission. That's the whole goal of, especially for athletes. We're trying to do our role, our part as much as we can. And we're asking everybody, especially the athletes, that's why we call it especially for athletes, to please, please, please have your eyes up and be willing to do the work to make the world better. Dustin, I love that. We, as we go around, maybe uh, one thing on my mind as you share that is the 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 vulture picture. Yeah. We've been around, we've shared this, and I'll put it up on the YouTube, and but... You know, there's a picture of this girl during the 1994 famine in the Sudan that made the cover of Time magazine where a a little, very malnourished girl is bent over. She can't walk. She's exhausted. And there's a vulture behind her. It touched so many people, this picture. It won the Pulitzer Prize. It brought in millions and millions of dollars of donations. But when the photographer was asked about about what happened to the girl, you know, everyone who sees that picture, they want to say what happened to the girl. His answer kind of caused an uproar a little bit. He said, you know, I'm not sure. I, I, I scared away the vulture. I sat under a tree and smoked a cigarette and prayed that vulture would fly away. When it didn't fly away, I scared away the vulture. And, and then I watched as the little girl kind of struggled over a hill and I hope she made it to the aid station and that bugged everybody, right? (laughs) Because they think, how did you not help? There's a lot to that story that his friend shared later. It's kind of a tragic story and that there was dozens of kids around and, you know, it was overwhelming to this guy. He wasn't just neglectful, but the reaction was interesting, you know, because people were like, how could you not help that girl. I would have carried that girl two miles to the aid station, you know, in the heat and in the, but I think it's something that you and I and and others, if we don't have our eyes up being intentional about what we're talking about, that we do all the time, we see someone who's, who's obviously in need 
and we just kind of pray their problems go away. Um, or like he did, we, we scare away a vulture, but that's very temporary because it'll just swoop around and, yeah. and come back. And, and I, we've spent a lot of time this last number of years asking ourselves the question, what does it look like when you see someone struggling to, to carry them to the aid station? Um, you know, not just to scare away a vulture, not to, but and not just to pray a problem goes away. And that's the do the work part of that message that you just shared. And sometimes that work is months long. It's little things. It's sitting next to me at lunch. It's inviting a kid to go to a game. It's, hey, what are you doing Friday night? Hang out with me and my friends. And it's it's just those, it's sitting down next to a kid and getting to know them in class and, and being interested in them. It's going to their things. It's but, but sometimes I think we could be better as Ernie Johnson's wife was. She saw a problem, and she knew she had the means to help. Yeah. And she did it. And now look at this kid's life. I mean, he was in an orphanage in a foreign country where the people that are taking care of him said, are telling people, you don't want that boy. And just years later, because someone had their eyes up and were willing to do the work, He's having a gymnasium full of people on senior night. Give him the I love you to symbol. And, and having him contribute to a team, teaching them maximum effort and, and loving other people. So he went from a, a crib yeah, where he'd no never idea. be anything to inspiring a high school because Bernie Johnson's wife had her eyes up and did the work. And, and that's a dramatic example, but sometimes dramatic example and in, in extreme circumstances teach us important principles. And so if every athlete just went back and, and as we go around and teach about that girl, we'll put up that picture and we'll say, this girl is in the halls of your high school. Yeah. She's starving for food in this picture, but there are kids who are starving for attention. There are kids who are starving for a friend. There are kids who are starving to be included. There are kids who are starving to be noticed. And, and we have the means to carry those kids to the aid station and help them get those things. And our, our athletes are powerful, not just because of their own influence, but they're part of teams and teams. It's easier for a team of people to bring in an individual. And I just think there could be lives that could be saved and brightened, even if it's just a kid's school year is a little bit more fun to think of their parents who are getting ready to send back a reluctant kid to school who has a hard time making friends, who's from a new school and they've had to move to a new town because of everything that's going on to think how those parents would feel about an athlete who use their position, their sport life to help a kid feel included, to brighten a kid's life. I just can't imagine how that parent would feel. And, and our athletes can be taught and trained to do that. I don't think they don't do that because they're bad people. I, I think they're on script. Yeah. And sometimes it takes someone handing them another script and saying, Hey, do this. And most of them who we've handed the script of, especially for athletes too, they take to it, they put on the band, eyes up, do the work, and they live that way and they change people's lives because Absolutely. of it. And that's the whole that's the goal. That's why we're doing it. And parents, coaches, athletes, you know, listen to this today, please. Go off script a little bit. Have your eyes up. Do the work. Be aware of others. Have a great school year. Let's let's uh, let's make it an awesome year. 
and we appreciate you following this podcast. We hope you'll follow us on social media and that you'll uh, look into the book, The Sport Light. You can find that and more information about Especially for Athletes at especiallyforathletes.org. Thank you. Eyes up. Do the work. This has been the Sportlight Podcast from Especially for Athletes, sponsored by Coca-Cola. You can learn more about Especially for Athletes by visiting the website at especiallyforathletes.org. You can also learn more about the book, The Sportlight, by Shad Martin and Dustin Smith at especiallyforathletes.org slash book. Yeah.